Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 838 with Josh Copel. I, I think that every day restaurant owners and operators are trying a thousand different things, trying to move the needle. When all we really need to do is focus on these three categories in order to achieve the success we want. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Restaurant owners know it can be almost impossible to keep everything up to date, even making adjustments on your menu, and I know it's probably one of the most important marketing tools out there, if not the most important marketing tool. That's why I'm so happy to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. Pop Menu seriously is the full digital solution for independent restaurant owners. When you invest in Pop Menu, you get a dynamic interactive menu that hooks your customers from the start. And let me tell you, they really do love that review feature. You get a mobile-friendly website, and I cannot stress to you enough how many people miss the importance of a solid website. And you also get marketing and integrations to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. What are you waiting for? As you can see, Pop Menu gives restaurateurs all the tools they need to put the focus back on what matters the most, the people and the food. Trust me, if you are a restaurant owner, you need to check out Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, my listeners get $100 off their first month plus an unchanging lifetime rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant on Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Yo, Unstoppables, I want to use this ad space to let you know about an affiliate relationship I have with the company Mies. Actually, Mies has been a past sponsor, but they've adopted this really great affiliate program, and I want to give it a shot. But here's the thing. I won't get credit for your referral unless you use my specific, special, unique Link and that link is getmes.com slash unstoppable. So if you listen to this ad and you want me's, make sure you use that link. And instead of actually uh, recording a new ad, I really like the first one I did with them. So I'm just going to roll it and uh, let the ad work. It's magic. Here it is. Here are four reasons why you need me's in your restaurant. 
One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. Never again waste time trying to find yields and converting unit measures or creating extra sub recipes just to account for yield updates because Mies has a database of thousands of ingredients and prep actions with yields and conversions built right into the interface. So you get immediate output of your costs and your conversions. That's huge. Number two, you will train your staff the right way and save countless hours your team sees in real time updates of all the recipe content plus you can send notifications and answer questions directly through me's quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image so you can show your team exactly what they need when they need it here's the third reason why you need me's in your restaurant you will reduce waste and execute with consistency me's enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need and that's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions Tell Mies how many portions you want, watch your recipe scale automatically. Tell Mies how much yield you want, watch it scale automatically. You can even enter the amount of ingredients you have on hand and then watch the recipe scale automatically. Here's the fourth and final reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. It organizes and shares your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive specifically for the culinary operation. Here's your call to action. Go to GetMies. That's M-E-E-Z dot com slash unstoppable and make sure you mention restaurant unstoppable when signing up to get three free months when you get the annual business plan. Get on it. What's going on? Unstoppables. We have a great show for you today, but please, before we get started, let me remind you to support this podcast. You can support this podcast by supporting my sponsors, using my affiliate links, subscribing, sharing, all those great things and you can join restaurant unstoppable network where we're really just kind of we've overlaid this podcast on top of the network and they're very symbiotic they are very supportive of each other and it's kind of like um, when you join the network you're, you're a part of the conversation you're you're in the inner circle and i'm really going to work for you in trying to find out what your needs are where your pain points are and i'm using my network to serve you so if that sounds like something you're interested in and you want to be a part of this group then please come hang out at restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com just go to that url today we're talking to josh copel so josh is a repeat guest on the show i connected with him almost a hundred episodes ago or a little, a little over a hundred episodes ago. And uh, around that time he started his podcast and he has since uh, recorded over 125 episodes. It's the full comp podcast. And today we're connecting because I guess the way that Josh pitched it to me over the past 125 episodes, uh, he's been trying to find a recipe for guaranteed success in the restaurant industry. And he did pretty well himself with his restaurants earning Michelin stars and getting accolades across the nation. Now he's trying to really distill what he's learned. Plus these lessons from his 125 plus episodes into a formula. And today we're going over that formula. He's calling them his three keys. So we're going to be going over the three keys. He believes contributes to restaurant success. I'm calling this a lecture in the past. We've done workshops and I like the idea of doing lectures now uh, because it's not necessarily a deep dive into how to do one thing really well, but it's almost like a Ted talk, like a lecture, like here are my, my findings, here are my beliefs. I want to share this with the industry. And, uh, I kind of like the idea of doing more of these. So I'd love your feedback. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear this. So no further ado, here it is. Josh Koval. 
And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest entrepreneur, Michelin-starred restaurateur and host of the Full Comp Podcast, and I should say author, Josh Copel. My man, Josh, are you feeling unstoppable today? Every day, bro. Every day. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm psyched to have you back. And if you guys are listening to Josh for the first time, I highly recommend you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 736. That was the first time I had Josh on the show. Crazy to think that was almost a 100 episodes ago. And also, if you're a wow. podcast listener, you got to be listening to uh, Josh's podcast as well, the Full Comp Podcast. Uh, but today, we're here to discuss the three keys and we'll get into those three keys but real quick josh what without getting into detail what are those three keys just kind of set us up and then we'll get into this the success quote you got it so the the three keys are the three levers of profitability i I think that every day restaurant owners and operators are trying a thousand different things trying to move the needle when all we really need to do is focus on these three categories in order to achieve the success we want and those three categories are awareness, revenue, and frequency, a little bit of a teaser. But before we dive into those three keys and unpackaging them, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Josh, what do you have for us? For me, I live by success is a mindset, not a feeling. Everybody wants to feel successful, but at the end of the day, it's all about thinking about success, sitting in that place gratefully, and then it happens. Yeah. And it's weird. Like this is a like a, a topic of you know, just the power of mindset. And it's weird because I think a lot of people will argue that the, the human is hardwired to be discomfortable. You know, like we, 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 we are always in this, this place of discomfort. And um, when I say that, what goes through your mind? Initially, uh, I initially, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I would agree. I would say that, that, Every time I hit a goal or a target, I always move the goalpost. I think we all do. And I don't see anything wrong with improvement. But I think that it needs to be paired with being really grateful for where you are in this moment. Yeah. But I guess where I was going with that is this idea is like we we are almost I think we're almost to a level all insatiable. We're all have this like level of discomfort where we're not comfortable, but that's an evolutionary like benefit so that we try to, to better our situation. So we we're aware. And, and I think it's important to know that um, if you're feeling like you aren't where you want to be, or you aren't in this place of peacefulness or mindfulness, then it's easy to, to, to like, that's your default setting, right? So you have to override it. You have to focus on the good things, focus on the, the things that you can be grateful for. Uh, but it's, it's something that I, I think you really have to like be aware of and mindful of to shoot for. So what's your secret to say again, re- regurgitate your opening quote? <laughs> the, the, the opening quote was the success is a mindset, not a feeling. So what are you doing? What's, what's your mantra to get into that mindset to, to get out of this default place of un- discomfort? That I'm already successful. And I would argue in some ways by worldly standards, but most importantly, by my own standards. And the way the way that I get there every day is through a gratitude practice. I think that when we talk about things like gratitude and mindfulness, they're always followed by the word practice, right? Because we have to constantly work at it. We're constantly trying to get 
better at doing it. And so it's not about doing these things once. It's about doing them every day until literally we brainwash ourselves into believing that we are exactly where we're supposed to be. I love it. I love it. Great stuff. Great way to get this thing started. So what was your inspiration for the key thing, the key things, uh, these three key things that you're going to be sharing with us today? Uh, is it like a, comb- a combination of all the lessons you learned in your 160 plus episodes? Yeah, that plus probably 20 years in the industry as an owner and operator. You know, when, when I made it to the top of the heap and I had won all of the awards that I wanted to win and, and, and we were successful by all standards in an incredibly competitive market, the restaurants are seated in Los Angeles. And, and and still it didn't it didn't feel like I thought it would. And it was always hard to make money. It was always hard to make profit. And so when the pandemic hit, that was that was the purpose of full comp was to figure out is there a model for profitability that is universal regardless of tier? And how did the people that have gotten there get there? What are the things that are that they're focused on? And, and then what could we all adopt? And that's where the three keys ultimately came from. I mean, I'm really interested for this conversation because I think that was one of the, the things I was in search of too when I started my podcast, Restaurant Unstoppable. I was thinking, what is this? What are the commonalities? What are the things that all these successful restaurateurs are doing? And how can I share those lessons with the next generation of professionals so they don't have to swim up a river of shit to figure it out the hard way? They can kind of start early in their career with doing the right things. But one of the most frustrating things for me has been that I've seen that, that there's things all over the spectrum of what you can be doing to be successful and that there is, there hasn't been a lot of commonalities or commonalities. There's been a lot of just people leaning into their certain strengths. Like you, what might've worked for you might not work for Joe, you know, and what works for Joe might not work for you. It all depends. And I think for the longest time I was really frustrated because I couldn't find these things, but what are your thoughts as I share that? I, I think that we just have to take it up a level. And I agree that, that, that you know, at a face-to-face level, there are very few commonalities. It's hit thousand feet. There aren't many more. But if you take that 30,000 foot view to get back to what you had said initially, everyone that is uber successful in this industry, they all have an amazing revenue model. They have the ability to garner attention and they're able to bring customers back when they need them. And and so when we look at those three keys, those are the three levers. Those are the drivers of profitability. And the great thing about all three are that, you know, in having worked with dozens of restaurateurs on this, everybody's usually got one. Sometimes people have two levers down, but no one has all three, which means there's always room for people to scale. Okay. I love that. Um, I guess I can get on board with that idea of big picture, 30,000 foot view. There tends to be much more similarities, but I mean, I don't even need to throw a butt on there. Like, I agree with that statement for sure. Um, so let's get into it. What are the three things? So w- w- the first is revenue and, and you've got to look at th- revenue from three different angles. The first is uh, your revenue margin. Like, are you making money today? You know, this fallacy that we've all been saddled with is that, you know, oh, at this income level, I'll make money. At this income level, I'll make money and so on and so forth. And I can tell you that it was as hard to net profit at $3 million a year as it was at a million dollars. Why is that the case? Because of creep. Everything creeps, right? So your expenses get a little bit higher. There is more wear and tear to facilitate three times the amount of business. You need three times the number of employees. So there are all of these ancillary 
expenses that are going to go along with making more money. So the point when you look at your margin is fix it, fix it today, make money today. And if you've got a business that's netting out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven percent, fix that. Don't don't look at the industry standard and say, oh, I can work with that because you can't because that's not enough money to live off of. That's not enough money to better your business. So improve that margin before looking at other things. Yeah, I can't help but think to reinforce what you're saying of uh, Michael McCallowitz. I think that's how you say his last name. Profit first. Yep. You're probably familiar. This is a big argument that he makes. And like, I think that we all kind of get sucked into this, that we think growing means more money. But big things take more energy and, and translation to business. I mean, we consume money. That's, that's the thing. Your body consumes sugar. Your business consumes money, right? So you get bigger, you get bigger muscles. You're going to need to take more energy in. You're going to need more cash flow to cover all of your expenses. And what he argues is no, take your profit on day one. What do you need? What does Josh Copel need? What does Eric Cacciatore need on day one? Take that and let the excess be what determines your growth. Is that what you're saying? Well, thinking larger than that, I, I would argue that, you know, there's this quote, you know, that, that Warren Buffett and homeless people both have money problems. They just have different money problems. And so I, I would argue that, that you're going to have money problems at higher income levels. But if the fundamentals of your business aren't right, you're screwed no matter what. What most restaurateurs do is they, they start marketing. They market aggressively thinking, if I bring in more money, that, that I will make more money. And it's just not the truth. You can't funnel more fuel into a broken machine and expect it to work in a more optimal level. So you take your current business model and, and you scale it, but you scale it through profitability to 10% net, 15% net, 20% net. And then you're able to focus on other things. And the way that you do that is through the, the second, the, the next two accelerators of revenue, which the first is increasing your income. So when you look at that and you say, oh, well, I mean, everyone would like to increase their income. But I'd ask you, how much money are you leaving on the table? How much how much opportunity is there out there that's undercapitalized? How much business are you turning away without knowing it? Could you fit an extra table or chair in your restaurant? Or more importantly, how much money, how much more money can you make off of the current demand? So it's, does that make sense? I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure I understand what you're saying. So instead of trying to f- drive new revenue, you're looking at what you already have and you're saying, how can I fine tune this to the point where I can maximize my profit with what I have? What, how can I improve systems? How can I improve training? How can I work on what I got to maximize that? And then once I get those percentages of cash flow distribution profit to where I need it, then start working on driving more traffic. Right. Well, look at the lost money, Eric. So everyone, every conversation you've ever had, everybody's trying to answer the same question. Like, how do I get busier on a Monday? Right. Everybody wants to be busier on their slowest day of the week. I would argue that you have $5,000 that you could be making on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that's untapped, that's undercapitalized. Everybody's got dead hours on peak and, and nobody's focused around that. When you are packed to the gills on peak, that's when you be, you can begin to worry about off peak. Also, look at your per customer average. So if you're averaging $20 uh, per person, and what happens if you up it to 21? 
$30 per person. That's how you increase income without increasing expense. It's by focusing on the undercapitalized areas of your business. And then the third is creating new businesses within your businesses by diversifying your revenue. We exist in an industry where if it rains, you're not going to make the money you need to survive. And Got we it. can't work that way. So let's, right? let's pull back a couple layers on this. Uh, so the three, the three keys to the, to the first key or the, the three yeah. elements to revenue are master your margins, increase your income and diversify your revenue. Uh, we talked a little yeah. bit about mastering your margins, working on your systems. I'm assuming when you say master margins, you're saying, how can I do this more efficiently? Right. Translation. How can you net out? How can you net out higher than you are today? Yeah. Uh, increase income. To me, the first thing that comes to mind is drive traffic, but I think we're going to get into that with frequency or is that more around awareness? That's more around awareness. When we talk about increasing income again, what we're talking about is making more with what you have today, really filling out your on peak business, increasing your per customer average and doing about a hundred other things to make sure that you're making the most money you can today before dumping money into the marketing machine. So you're trying to, you're talking about how can I get the most for what I have? Meaning am I charging the right prices? Am I training my, my people to upsell that sort of thing? Yeah. Or, or are you, are you driving traffic when you need to? Let's again, let's look on peak. So if I'm trying to get you in on a Monday, I'm not trying to convince you to come to my restaurant. Right. I'm trying to convince you to put on pants, to get off the couch, to get in your car and then eventually come to my restaurant. I'm trying to alter human behavior. When I promote on peak, what I am attempting to do is get you someone that is already out and about to come to my restaurant instead of somebody else's, which is easy. It is a, it is a much easier thing to do and doesn't require money to get it done. Okay. So when it comes to diversifying your revenue, this is a, a really hot topic. I think especially right now, you've been seeing a lot of people do creative things in the industry to diversify and to increase those channels of revenue. What are the things that you, what are the biggest opportunities that, you, that people are missing right now as far as diversifying profit or revenue? I, I think that anything experiential is huge. I think that in, in doing uh, exclusive tastings, virtual events, at home events. I, I think that that is the direction that the industry is headed in. I think retail's great. It doesn't need to be custom t-shirts and hats. It could be as, as, as simple as jarring your sauces and your spices. I think that there are definitely, there's definitely a market and a demand for that. And then also, I, I think that there's a huge market to reuse your prep as, as meal, cut, meal packs and meal kits that you could structure as a Monday pickup. That's an interesting one. And I think this is how you look at it. So you already have units of like energy or, or what is it? Units of power, right? Going into doing these things prep. How much extra energy is going to take to do a few more? I don't know. Um, what's the word? It's, it's already being done. You're just packaging prep. Yeah. You know what I, what I hope you've gathered through everything I've said is, you know, I, I know that, you know, there are consultants and all of these people that want you to spend money to make money, but nothing we've discussed costs a penny to do. And all of it will scale your revenue and scale your revenue overnight. I'm not telling you that you need to develop a full clothing line centered around the concept for your restaurant. Repurpose your prep. Do par-cooked large format meals. Mm -hmm. It's what you're already doing. Just 
sell it. Yeah. So what about when it comes to just selling this stuff, how are people drawing attention? What are you seeing out there of ways that people are selling this new vertical, this new uh, revenue stream specifically around prep, like or, or big meal plans that you're talking, not big, not big meal plans, but what you're describing is this repackaging what you're already doing for the at home experience. Right. But in what way are you, are you seeing people generate awareness around this new option? I think, I think you've got a few channels. I think social media is a great outlet. I think an email list that you have is a great outlet. And then I also think your best, like your best resource is your team. And when someone's sitting in the restaurant and they have a meal that they enjoy, you say, Hey, you know, you can pick up that meal prepped out and ready to go every Monday if you want. And we actually charge 15% less than if you were dining in for it. So if you like it, you can have it whenever you want and you can have it in the comfort of your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, back up to this idea of more virtual events and virtual tastings. What are you seeing people do uh, just for the sake of giving our listeners some inspiration? You like, give me, can you get like a little bit more granular with like something you've seen one of your guests do that you just thought was like next level thinking uh, as far as creating awareness around these virtual events and, and creating revenue around these virtual events? So it's a twofer. It'll deal with diversifying revenue as well as like creating virtual events. Those meal prep kits I talked about, you can cook them with the executive chef of that restaurant virtually. So you sell it on a Monday and then you do the virtual event that Tuesday and people get to cook it with the chef. Uh, People are selling wine by the case, like a mixed box, right? 12 different wines. And then they're doing a tasting with the sommelier in real time, they're doing cocktail demos the same way, right? They're selling the raw ingredients for the cocktails. And then you actually get to, to sit with the mixologist from the comfort of your home and make the cocktails together. Mm-hmm. There, there are countless ways to make all of these events work for you. I love it. Awesome stuff. Is there anything else you want to unpackage around this uh, vertical of revenue? Again, we're talking about the three keys to increase. What What's the sub the sub? title to that. The three keys to increase profitability. Yeah. yeah, It's the increase uh, restaurant profitability. So ultimately what you're looking at here is a profitability accelerator. Got it. So anything regarding revenue that we haven't put on the table yet? Yeah. The last thing I would say about revenue is, you know, everybody wants to talk about marketing, but you have to talk about revenue first. You can't feed more business into a broken machine. Okay. So, I mean, I think we, is there anything you want to unpackage regarding that? Or do you just want to like put it out there? I just want to put it out there. Got it. I can, I can reinforce that. So what makes sense to move on to next? You want to talk about awareness or frequency? I want to talk about awareness because I, I think it's the next big hurdle. Okay. So well, a, the best restaurateurs in the world are really good at getting attention. And it's because they understand what the drivers of attention are and how, and how to leverage them to get the most they can out of a, uh, out of the situation. Okay. Before we get into how to do that, let's take one quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Yo, Unstoppables, I want to use this ad space to let you know about an affiliate relationship I have with the company Mies. Actually, Mies has been a past sponsor, but they've adopted this really great affiliate program and I want to give it a shot. But here's the thing. I won't get credit for your referral unless you use my specific special unique 
link. And that link is getmes.com slash unstoppable. So if you listen to this ad and you want me's, make sure you use that link. And instead of actually uh, recording a new ad, I really like the first one I did with them. So I'm just going to roll it and uh, let the ad work. It's magic. Here it is. Here are four reasons why you need me's in your restaurant. One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. Never again waste time trying to find yields and converting unit measures or creating extra sub recipes just to account for yield updates because Mies has a database of thousands of ingredients and prep actions with yields and conversions built right into the interface. So you get immediate output of your costs and your conversions. That's huge. Number two, you will train your staff the right way and save countless hours your team sees in real time updates of all the recipe content plus you can send notifications and answer questions directly through me's quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image so you can show your team exactly what they need when they need it here's the third reason why you need me's in your restaurant you will reduce waste and execute with consistency me's enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need and that's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions Tell Mies how many portions you want, watch your recipe scale automatically. Tell Mies how much yield you want, watch it scale automatically. You can even enter the amount of ingredients you have on hand and then watch the recipe scale automatically. Here's the fourth and final reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. It organizes and shares your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive specifically for the culinary operation. Here's your call to action. Go to get Mies. That's M-E-E-Z dot com slash unstoppable and make sure you mention restaurant unstoppable when signing up to get three free months when you get the annual business plan. Get on it. We're back and we're talking about awareness and you said that awareness comes down to attention. Dive into that a little bit more. So it's not just about like understanding that you need to get attention. It's about understanding the accelerators that help you get attention. And for that, we've got to look at the tools and really understand how they need to be used. Um, I I can't tell you how many times I get on a restaurant social media page and I used to do it myself. So I'm not pointing fingers, but you'll see like a beautiful uh, image of food. And then the only message is, Hey, come get this food. Hey, we're open on Thursday. Hey, come to this special, so on and so forth. Not understanding the true purpose of social media, which is to get attention. It's not a sales tool. It is, it is a tool to breed awareness. And so when you understand that, you begin to use it in a very different way. And the people that are doing it the best are using it not to sell their food, but to tell their story and to explain the value behind the restaurant. And to talk about the intention that went into the food that they've created and to highlight their staff and their community and their patrons. And once you've garnered that attention, you then move to the second accelerator, which is driving traffic to the sales pages you should be using, which are your website, your Yelp page and your Google listing. And here's what's crazy, man. Like for the people that are spending a ton of time focused on selling on social media, most do no selling whatsoever on their Yelp page or their website or their Google listing. That's where you have the opportunity to put in amazing calls to action, amazing photography, world-class copywriting. That's where you have the opportunity to explain to people 
why you're different and why they should come in today. That's where the decision takes place. I like this, uh, but I kind of want to pull back some more layers and get some examples. I said at first people, you, the misconception with social media is people use it to sell. But what you're saying is we need to use it to engage, to get intention. And what's the key difference between trying to sell and get attention? I don't quite understand that. So when you're trying to sell, it's a very, it's a very product focused uh, presentation. So it's always shots of food, which do create likes, but don't really garner you a lot of attention because there's tons of content in that space. A lot of people have pretty food. A lot of people have food that looks delicious. A lot of people have these gorgeous shots of their restaurants and not say that you shouldn't include that, but that can't be the bulk of your content. The bulk of your content needs to be about you differentiating you in the market and explaining your motivations and the people involved in creating the effortless experience that you're putting out there. That's the difference. The difference is the intention because the intention creates an entirely different type of content. So the intention, whereas it used to be to sell is now to help you understand who I am and why I am. Well, exactly. Because here's the thing you would think if your intention was to sell food, that you would be like, here's a dish. This is why it's beautiful. So on and so forth. And you wouldn't see the value in just getting on Instagram and saying, Hey, we're seated in downtown Los Angeles. Here are five things I love about living and working here. Yeah. You wouldn't see, you wouldn't see the value in that. Mm-hmm. But there's far more value in that than there is in the food shops. Yeah. And I think when I hear originally, when I heard you say, we're looking to, to get attention with social media, we're looking to, to sell, you're asking. And that, I feel like one thing that people do is they're, when they do what you first explained is you're, you're always saying, come do this for me, come do this for me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But the second approach that you suggest we do, which is the more powerful approach is you're giving. Instead of asking, you're giving, you're saying, here's some helpful information about who we are and what we do. And, and let me educate you. Let me give you a piece of information about what we do and why it's interesting and why you might identify with this. So you're adding value, you're educating, you're entertaining, you're, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, and then you ask. It's that Gary Vaynerchuk, give, 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 add value, add value, add value, then ask. Do you want to reflect on that? Sure. It's, it's, and, and let's get to the core issue that everybody struggles with, which is engagement, right? Like people ask all the time, why do you have such a high engagement rate? It's because I engage. That's the purpose of social media. It's not a one way conversation. You ask questions. How many restaurateurs out there are commenting on the posts of people that go to their restaurants, take photos and post? Hey, thanks for coming in. Next time you're in, please let me know. I would love to, I would love to meet you in person. You know, how many people are dropping into the DMs and saying, oh, my God, I know you were in the other day. Thank you so much. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate it. That engagement, right? That is that is genuine, authentic giving. And what it does is it turns somebody who liked your food into a loyalist that loves you. So once people want to support people. Yeah. Once you, I love that line. I always say people don't do business with businesses. They do business with people. Um, I think we forget it's all about relationships and same thing when it comes to your food, like people can't relate to your food, but they can relate to why you chose to do your food a certain way and why that food's important to you might also be the same reason why it's important to somebody else. So giving that dialogue is how you can get to, to, to that third and fourth layer of impact of significance that people just don't, they leave, they leave it on the table. 
pun not intended. Um, but so back to the, you know, 30,000 view of what we're talking about awareness. When it comes to awareness, you want to use social media to basically engage on a more intimate level. And then from there, you said you want to convert that engagement to web traffic. So you want to move people away from social media to your website. Uh, what's the trick in doing that? Generating the awareness. I, I mean, how many times have you seen an ad on Instagram for a clothing line or for a service and you were interested in it? So you click through to the website. If you are genuinely interesting enough, you don't need to worry about convincing people to go to your website. They will naturally. What, you just have to be interesting. What about the architecture? What about the actual building it out and, and, and providing a path of least resistance from social media to your website? I think that the easiest path is to just have your website really clearly listed with a call to action at the top of your profile. Right. And and, and in that thing where you have like about us, what you would do is you would simply have two arrows that say, you know, click here to learn more about us. But at some point you have to ask, you have to give a call to action. So should there be an element of a call to action in all of your posts? Should it be front loaded? Give, give, give with just a reminder. If you want to learn more, go here. How do you find that balance? So for me, the, the balance is always to keep the call to action in the profile itself. That way it's static and not in the individual posts. Now, if I'm promoting a specific event, which there's nothing wrong with doing, Hey, our Easter brunch is coming up. Uh, you know, click here to sign up. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But it's that needs you need to be peppering that stuff in as opposed to that being the entirety of the content that you're putting out there. Got it. And we haven't really talked about amplifying through press. So now we've increased our social media, uh, I guess, content. We're more mindful about our content. We're creating more personal content that people can relate to and, and, and identify with. We're asking them to come sign up for our email list and to engage on our own private assets, our website. And then you say you amplify this through the press. Where does that fit into the equation? Most restaurateurs can't afford a publicist. So they just decide not to get any press. But I, I, I believe that with a 24-hour news cycle, the, the people you want to be covered by, the publications that you want attention from, they're desperately looking for content. You see it, and you see it everywhere. So you should engage. You know, I interviewed uh, Jet Tila for the show ages ago. And Jet used to reach out, and not only would he say, here's what I'm working on, he would ask the writers, what are you working on? Because... I would love to help you write that post. I can offer expert analysis based off my years of being an executive chef. Yeah. So I would say if you have certain publications you want to be covered by, build those relationships because that's all publicists have done. It's simply build relationships that then they can access. That's all it is. And it's kind of disgusting how easy that's literally all that it is. It's just, you're paying for that publish that publicists relationships because when the news hits, reporters are lazy. They're just like everybody else. Every human tries to find the path of least resistance and they're going to have their network of people to reach out to when the stuff hits the fan and they're going to go, I know somebody I'm going to go to that person and then it's just these channels. It's, it's, it's paths of least resistance to sources that are no more than I do is really all that's happening there. So if you can be proactive and you can establish relationships with those people, those outlets, those media outlets, and you can harness those. That's a lot of work though, man. I mean, let's be honest. Like it's easy to say, Oh, but just be friends not, with all the publicists, but, but it's not, 
it's it, 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 it's hard to do it at scale, but you're not trying to do it at scale. Maybe you just want to be in like for me personally, like one of one of my goals was to get in the eater top 38 most essential restaurants for downtown Los Angeles. That's what I wanted. So it's a hard list to get into, but I knew I had a great restaurant. So I just kept at it and I kept at it for years until I got there, but it wasn't overwhelming because I wasn't reaching out to a hundred people. I was reaching out to the same dude again and again and again and again. And that's, that's how you build those relationships. And I did it by offering value. Hey, we're working on this and I wouldn't ask for press. Do you want to come to the event? I'd love for you to see it. You can cover it if you think it has value and they would come. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a, a subject I just feel like I, I want to get into. I know that's not what we're here necessarily to talk about today, but I, I wonder sometimes like you mentioned, like sometimes it feels like unless you have enough money to have a publicist, you don't really stand a chance. And I've seen that there is absolutely an impact having a good publicist will have on your business. Like it can make or break you. And it's, it's crazy. It seems like the, the barriers of entry, the, the 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 hurdles you have to get over keep stacking up higher and higher and higher every year that we figure out there's a new way to make it or a new uh code to hack or whatever it gets higher and most of these things come with a, a price a, an expense to be able to outsource or whatever uh is it right that you can have a deep pocket and, and a decent brand and be able to pay for media uh and then these I just, I just feel like there's a lot of imbalance in the industry right now. And it, it almost bugs me how much influence and how much control media has on our industry. Some of these big outlets that really can, we'll use James Beard as an example. If you get a James Beard award or a Michelin star, huge, huge impact on your business. Uh, maybe those aren't the best examples as far as media goes, but maybe eater is another example. Eater, huge influence. If you can get eater to mention your restaurant, huge. Is it right that, that the best way to get that exposure is through a relationship, not through hard work and your, your ability to actually do the job. Is that right? Why are we leaning into this sort of thing when we should have saying, fuck that? Like, why is that? Why does, why do these outlets have so much control over our industry? Well, I, I guess, and I think you bring up a great point. And, and what I would say is this, I'm seated in the second largest city in the country. So Eater's not going to write about all of the restaurants in the city. It would be impossible to do so. I'm sure that in any given week, more than a hundred restaurants open. And so what a publicist does is it, it provides visibility into which restaurants are opening that these publicists are directly tied to. Um, what, what I will challenge is the line of thinking, which is that there is this, this big machine that is uncontrollable and is a small fish. Um, you don't have a chance um, because I didn't have deep pockets and I didn't have a big budget. And I just worked harder than everyone else. And then when I got tired of working hard, I started working smarter than everyone else. And the truth is, especially when it comes to marketing, and we can parlay this into media as well. Uh, the reason the restaurateurs struggle with it is because still in 2021, marketing is seen as optional. And that's a real problem. And people feel like they have time to deal with the, the issues that come up day to day, but they don't have time to make sure that their presence digitally is the best it possibly can be. 
And then when you go to their Yelp profile, you see a bunch of like old, dirty photos taken in a dimly lit room with like a nasty flip phone, as opposed to like really working to make sure that there is professional photography everywhere people look. And that's not about budget, because if you have an iPhone 10 or greater, you can probably figure out how to take pretty decent photos of your own food. But but the, the issue, I don't think is to blame the media, I think that we should control what we're in control of as restaurateurs. And what we're in control of is, number one, the message, and number two, who hears it. Because I can tell you that I have the personal email address of the editor-in-chief for Eater LA, and I got it by asking. Yeah, and I, I will I will back you up in saying that a lot of times we look at these restaurants that that exist and they they tend to be at the top. They tend to all be in the same circles. They tend to be in this they all tend to have the same friends. And from the outside looking in, you think to yourself, "Well, I'm not friends with any of those people." And it, clearly you have to be friends with these people for them to know who you are, for them to do a piece on you or like to get into the right social network, to get connected to the right Public or the right media outlet. And the truth is, sometimes you just need to ask. Sometimes you just need to be the first person to break bread. And I mean, these people are busy just like you running their businesses. Uh, they got their heads down. But if you reach out to them and you, you extend the olive branch and you, you know, you take that initiative, it's not that hard to get into these clicks because these people are just like you. And one of the reasons why they have so many people around them is because they do like to interact with other people. They do like to socialize. They do like to, to help each other out. So don't be so quick to, to think that you can't achieve that same status or that to get into those same circles because it, sometimes it is as easy as you say, just ask. Um, so now we're moving on to our third and final key frequency. But before we unpackage that one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. What is one of the most overlooked and important marketing tools out there? It's your menu. And honestly, I cannot blame owners for overlooking their menu. It can be super tedious and boring work. Let's be honest. Not to mention it's time consuming between all the other channels of marketing, i.e. social media, direct mail marketing and managing your operations and customer relations. Who has the time to dink around with their menu? Not many people, right? So that's why I'm super excited to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. From the website to the marketing to the contactless ordering, Pop Menu is the full digital solution for your restaurant. Pop Menu also provides a dynamic mobile-friendly menu that hooks your customers from the start. And this is a really cool tool. Diners have the ability to leave dish reviews, which really helps your menu speak for itself. Beyond these engaging features, Pop Menu provides marketing tools to build long lasting relationships with your guests. For example, you have the power to send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders or promote new dishes. You can even set up online ordering and delivery direct through Pop Menu. This means less ordering complications and loss commission to third party apps. We all love that. Frankly speaking, when Pop Menu reached out to me to be a sponsor, I didn't know much about them. We all know my rules that I only promote the tools and services that are recommended on the show. So I had to reach out to my network to get their approval. And I have to tell you, the feedback has been nothing but positive. People really like the menu review feature, the email marketing integration, and the fast and friendly customer support, which cannot be overlooked. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you 
can lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using, like Toast, to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. We are back and we are going to unpackage frequency. So we've talked about revenue, the importance of mastering margins, increasing income and diversifying your revenue. We talked about awareness, uh, attracting via social media, the type of social media that works, uh, converting that social media into web traffic and then amplifying that with press. And now the last and third key that we're going to discuss today is frequency. What do you mean by frequency? I'm talking about customer frequency. I'm talking about your ability to convince people to come back to your restaurant when you want them there. Returning customers aren't free money, but it's certainly the easiest money that's out there to get. And there, again, just like with the other two levers, there are only three accelerators to get there. The first is customer data. You've got to acquire customer data. And, And everybody knows that. I'm sure everybody agrees. Most people struggle with it. And I want to talk about why. When I ask you, Eric, for your name, your email address, your phone number, and your birthday, I am asking for something of value. I'm trying to start a conversation. And when I turn to you and I say, I'll give you 5% off your mail, or I'll give you a $5 gift card, that doesn't equate in my mind. I should be, if I'm giving you something really good, I should get something really good in return. And so I think that we need to have better asks. We need to have better offers. And I think that we can structure that in a bunch of different ways. But I I think that the first step in starting that conversation is getting that information. And the best way to do that is by offering something of incredible value. What are some examples? Getting something in return. Sorry to cut you short, but what are those examples? Give me an example. Is 5% not a good offer? It's a terrible offer. I agree. I would argue. I would argue that any discount is a terrible offer. So I, I would argue that discounting your stuff in general makes you seem cheap and negotiable. Yeah, I would offer something free. I mean, hey, we 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 understand. 
yeah, we understand the significance. I think Matt Plapp was on the show recently. Uh, he gets deep into this, the, the power of data. And, He's a huge uh, believer. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had a lot of people talk about the significance of this, but I guess what I'm looking for right now is like, what if you, if you're opening a restaurant tomorrow, um, and you want to drive traffic, you're looking to get a ton of data fast. What are you offering? I'm offering experience. I'm offering access. So what I would say is, uh, I want to let you know that we have a personal relationship with the growers that created Opus One. It costs $275 a bottle. We do a private tasting every other month. We only invite 15 customers to come along. If you want access to be on that list, feel free to uh, give me your information and I'll give you advance notice the next time we're doing a sign up. Okay. I would offer to throw people's birthday parties for them. This is a great example. So it's not just a transaction, a discount. It's you're, you're bringing them into the circle. You're bringing them to a different level, a privileged level that not everybody gets access, but you get access because you're now one of us. Uh, you get these extra well, do you, things. You know how much that tasting costs you to, to, to do nothing. Not, yeah. Because the growers will do it themselves. So I'm not even again, like, kind of the uniform theme through this whole thing. I'm not advocating that anyone spend a dollar more than they are now. Just advocating that, that you operate in a way. Because I think the discounts, I even think that giving away free food items, I, I think that people expect those things. But if you do the unexpected, you give people the opportunity to get a preview into like your mindset, right? Yeah. So if I tell you that you'll get access to this exclusive tasting before, it also lets you know what I'm going to be reaching out to you about. So you're more comfortable in giving me that info. So a, a place where I just recently saw this is actually with a future guest. Uh, so one of the, the major ways I get my guests is by asking my current guests, who do you respect and admire and believe would be a great guest on the show? We find a lot of gems by asking that question. And to, tomorrow, actually, I'm, I'm interviewing a woman who does a supper club. Uh, Mel Harrington, I believe is her last name. And it's called Sunday Supper. And I, I think what's important for people to understand is you can start your business with the ask and what she's doing. She has a supper club and she's collecting data and emails by saying, Hey, I have this club and I want you to know all about it. But first, um, you got to be in the club. So give me your, your email and now you're in the club. And once you're in the club, I'll tell you where every event is, who I'm doing the event with and all these things. Plus, you can also ask for money. People aren't only just willing to give you their contact information to be a part of the club. They're also willing to pay you. She's collecting $20 a year from each one of her email subscribers. So she gets, she builds a list of 10,000 people, which is a lot of work, but not out of this, this world, you know, 10,000 people, $20 per customer. I mean, it adds up. You know, even at a thousand people, that's 20,000 a year. Oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So don't sell yourself short. Um, create something of value and start asking for people to, I mean, what's going through your mind as I share this with you? Is this, am I, am I swinging and missing or am I striking? No, I, I mean, I, I would say that, that you're headed in the right direction. At the end of the day, you've got to make the ask, but you also need to understand. And, and Matt Platt talks about this a lot too. Um, it's, it's transactional. You must, you must give something of value to get something of value. And so what I am urging people to do is one, make the ask, but two, make sure they don't regret it. Yeah. Uh, you know, integrity, hold up your end of the deal, right? Uh, one of our core values in the network, as a matter of fact. So, um, 
Okay, so back to unpackaging the idea of better asks. We we said experiences, relationships. I also wrote down you want to make people feel seen, and you want to create a, a feeling of exclusiveness. What else? Anything else as far as good asks you've seen? Sure. I, I mean, you know, just you know, from my own experience, when we would launch new menus or new seasonal items, we always held a private event for our mailing list so that they could try them beforehand. Okay. What's what? Why is why is that such a powerful approach? It's exclusive access. It's community. Mm-hmm. You can you can be a restaurant that sells food, right? And maybe you'll make it. Maybe you won't. I would argue that we see restaurants that have great food close every day of the week. I don't want to compete on food. I want to compete on culture. I want to compete on community because I think I can kick the shit out of everyone in those categories. And so sure we had great food in a market full of great food. We competed on culture. And by saying, if you believe what we believe and you value what we value, then you're one of us join the tribe. And if you do that as a, as a business, forgetting restaurants entirely, if you do that as a business, you will win and you will have a dedicated group. They will come in whenever you want. Okay. Uh, what's this, the second element of frequency that I see here in front of me, automate communication. What do you mean by that? Uh, people need to look forward to your communications. I, I think that part of the commitment is, Eric, you're going to give me your contact information. So when I contact you, I am going to give you information that you look forward to getting. And so you've got to be able to automate that because like as a restauranter, you don't want to be sitting there texting people at eight o'clock at night on a Thursday. There, there are dozens of platforms out there for automating text and email communications. What I think would be most valuable is actually talking about the type of content that we should be automating. So give me an example. Like, cause I think of creating content isn't like an automatic process. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of thought, a lot of intentionality. And when I think of automating something so intimate, I, it kind of gives me the heebie jeebies a little bit. I'm not going to mind. It feels very, I don't know the the opposite of warm, generous and inviting, you know, it feels like it's just blah here it is. And you're just going through this. You're just going through the motions so you can check the box. Why is that really like, like here's, here's what I would do. I would automate a text message that goes out two weeks before Thanksgiving, where it says, Hey, uh, we know that Thanksgiving is coming up. Uh, you know, the star of our dessert menu is the key lime pie. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be selling them in advance and you can click this button to pre-order. Also, you can click this button and it'll take you to the recipe if you want to make it yourself. I think I'm misinterpreting what you mean by automation. Are you talking about automating the message or automating the the dispatch you're automating the dispatch of the message okay so how do you automate the dispatch of a message there's tons of software out there to do it like if if you're talking about email mailchimp can do it there there are a dozen platforms out there um that they can automate text messages as well you can also are you automating the creation of the content No, no no you're creating the content yourself Okay. That's where we were swinging and missing. So yes, there's tools and services that can help you automate the processes, but are you, are you saying you want to create systems and processes within the content to make the creation of the content smoother? 
Yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is you need to know what you're going to say a year in advance. That's what you can do. I think that I, you know, as the restaurateur, if you are my customer, I have the ability to reach out to you probably 12 times a year. Okay. So for those times, I'll do it via text. The rest will be via email. And with every, every interaction, I'll be offering value, not taking it. So you're not necessarily just automating the content and just having checking boxes. You're saying, okay, here's our, our, our annual plan for content. Let's spend this week dedicating our whole week to what's, what's the message and what's our plan of action over the next year. And how can we start writing copy now to then schedule that out into the future or to at least create email copy that is unique for certain segments. So somebody comes in for the, through this portal, they want to get there. Now we can email, we can automate the, the, the dialogue between that person and our restaurant. Um, and you, so I guess it gets a little confusing, I guess for, for the listener, when you say automate, you're saying you're creating systems for communication and then putting people into those systems. Right. Well, what is the alternative? The alternative is, and this happens to a lot of restaurateurs, that you're not sending out a newsletter 12 times a year on the same day. You're sending it out when you think about it. And the, the, the information that you're providing is somewhat timely, but more haphazard. And the, the format changes because there wasn't a consistent vision for what this communication should look like, what they should entail. It's all it's all done without a lot of planning beforehand. And there could be a ton of planning. And I, and I would argue that email has a specific purpose and so does text messaging. And in today's world, we should be leveraging both. Can you give me an example of a type of communication, something that you would want to communicate that could be automated? I, well, I, I think that Ann Pizza, Andy Hooper from Ann, Ann Pizza does a great job with this. Uh, they, uh, you know, they, they're based in DC and whenever there's a big game, they send out a text message which says, Hey, the big game is today. If X teams wins, we're offering this discount on pizzas. Okay. Like buy one, get one free. So you can, so what I'm hearing as far as automation goes, you can, you can choose a uh, highlight events regular events, a football game. So if this, then that you tell your team, if there's a football game, here's the copy for the email that's associated with that football game. And that should go out no more, no less than 12 hours before the game starts. So that's the type of automation you're talking about. Let's talk high level. And I, and I think it, it'll, it'll provide a little clarity. So when you collect information from customers and a lot of restaurateurs do it, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like the restaurateurs aren't out there collecting information, but most aren't doing a lot with it. And that's the reality of the situation is that even for the people that have loyalty programs out there, they haven't taken the time to figure out what that communication funnel looks like from the point of view of a marketer. How am I going to warm this audience? How am I going to direct traffic? How, what communications can I send to them that will create affinity? and trust and build intimacy. You know, that's what I'm talking about. So what I'm saying is there's really no point in collecting anyone's email address or phone number until you know what you're going to do with it. And what you should be doing with it is dropping them into a funnel that can be email and text message that is automated so that you don't need to trigger it. 
that gets them the information they want and they need to create that value for your customers. So I know what you mean by funnel, which means if you look at any traditional funnel, there's one end that's really big and there's one end that's really small. And you want to get as many people into the big end and you want them to funnel towards one call to action, one thing. So what is... I mean, I don't think I need to explain that, anymore, that. But not everybody get is familiar. With, yeah, here. not everybody. Yeah, not exactly. So what? Should that but one thing it. be is get your ass. It, back it's in. all. It's all. It's all about getting able to being able to get people back in. So that when you have that holiday party that you want to book out, that when you have that, because that's the thing that that everybody misses. You think you're trying to get them back in for dinner, but you want them to book their office holiday party with you. You want to host a big happy hour with them. You want their family reunion to take place at your restaurant. It's that we've got to stop thinking small. And we've got to say that we want this person to have their birthday with us every year forever. And we're willing to earn the business by providing value on a monthly basis. You know, you look at Pru and Proper as a great example. Our per customer average was almost a hundred dollars. That's awesome. Okay. Which is expensive. Yeah. Right. So Eric, you and your wife come to my restaurant. You have the time of your life. What am I going to need to say to get you to come back again next week? Nothing. You're not coming back next week. And if you have that kind of money, you want variety. Mm-hmm. So you're going to try a bunch of different places. So I use the communication to always stay in front of you. So that when there is that opportunity, you capitalize on it. You know, we were, we were a Southern uh, concept restaurant. So at the very least, I would get you for Mardi Gras or our Big Lebowski themed Halloween brunch. You know, you would be willing to go to those things because I gave you a couple of recipes, a cocktail demo video, and I invited you to a couple of tastings and virtual events before that even happened. What we're talking about here from a marketer's perspective is a lifetime value. It's, it's, about, it's not just about creating the widest possible opening in that funnel. It's about widening the funnel entirely so that you can outmarket your competition. So number one question I ask all of my peers, I say, are you a better marketer than your competition? And the answer is always the same. Either it's, I don't know, or probably not. Yeah. And it's because again, marketing is seen as optional, but everything we've talked about is free and everything we've talked about is achievable. Yeah. And I appreciate you getting to the granular stuff. I really do try to push my gas and I try to take it down to that granular level and you're doing that for us. So thank you very much. Uh, the, the last element of frequency I see here is network effect. What do you mean by that? So here's where I kicked the shit out of my competition because I was doing something that no one else was doing. I was building relationships one-to-one, which is really, really hard to do, but I did it with the right people. So who are the right people? The right people are office managers. I would call the local local office building instead of saying, "Hey, I'd love to yeah, I'd love for you to throw a happy hour party with me." I turned to the office manager and I said, "Hey, we're doing something pretty cool for a happy hour. I'd like for you to come down and check it out. If you want to bring one of your coworkers, it's on me." Hmm. I went out to the local concierge at the hotels. We were surrounded by hotels and I would say, "Hey, listen, you know, we, I think what we're doing here is pretty special. I'd like for you to come in and check it out. I'd like to host you. And if you like it, I'll provide you with marketing materials. And when guests ask where to go, you can send them to me. Yeah. I went to the local apartment complexes around me and I talked to the managers of those complexes. And I said, listen, when somebody moves in, I want you to give them a gift card from us to welcome them into the neighborhood. 
Yeah. That's creating network effect. It's creating advocates within your community. It's knowing who the gatekeepers are. It's knowing who the influencers are. It's knowing who, who the one person you need to know to get access to a bunch of other people. For sure. Yeah. Um, Josh, I've really loved today's conversation. We we've kind of hit the the bottom of the the list of things you gave me. We're going to be talking about. Is there anything we have not mentioned up to this point that you want to drop on us? Here's what I would say, and, and I know we covered a lot of ground here. I would say that everyone looks at those nine things that we covered here, and they grade themselves. We could use like a, a, a traffic light, right? Like. Red, I don't do these things at all. Yellow, I do them, but somewhat infrequently. In green, I have mastered this process. And you really begin to hone in on the reds and the yellows to make sure everything's at a green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the only thing that's left to do now is uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who do you respect and admire in the industry who you have not had a chance to call out yet? Give them, give them a shout out. Martha Hoover. She's a force in nature. Uh, She's a restaurateur with over half a dozen restaurants under her belt. She came out of this industry with no or into this industry with no previous experience and she's owned it. She's an advocate for restaurants, restaurant owners and restaurant employees. She's amazing. Where's she based? Uh, She's based out of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Martha Hoover, look out. We're coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And what's our call to action? Uh, If we listen to today's episode and we are resonating with what you're you're dropping us, we want more. Where do we go for more? Go to restaurantcasestudy.com. So everything that we've discussed today, you can do. And if you need a, if you need a roadmap to get there, you can take part in our case study. Um, and we'll walk you through it and we'll knock out all nine things in nine weeks together. Beautiful. And is there a time that this is starting or is it a process that when you, when you enter the funnel, uh, you go through a series of pre-established like, uh, videos that will take you to the, the end or is it a one live event that pops off. So the, the way it works is you, uh, you go to restaurantcasestudy.com, you sign up, we'll do a 10 minute call. And if we think we can help, we'll work you through the process one-on-one. Beautiful. And I guess the only other thing to do is if we want to connect with you, what's the best way to connect? Joshcopel.com. Beautiful. Uh, thank you so much, Josh. Uh, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Josh Copel, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your three keys to restaurant success. I really cannot argue with a lot of what you shared today. Uh, I think there's tons of value. Thank you so much. And uh, this is a lecture. I'm calling today's episode a lecture. I mean, we do workshops, which are more deep dive topics into how to do something specifically. But this was a broader, uh, more, I guess, not how to, but big picture aerial view of lessons learned. And I I think I really like the idea of using this platform to do more lectures, almost like Ted talks for the restaurant industry where we have influencers, people who are trying to make a positive change in the industry who have, who have knowledge that needs to get out there. I want to share my platform with them to get that knowledge out there and to make a better world. And I I really do think that if you transform the restaurant industry, you can transform the world because this industry has such influence, not just with the consumers, but with the next generation of professionals. We, we mold future professionals and we can inject values and knowledge into the future of 
just just the future, our, our humanity, you know. And um, thinking about who I am and, and how I best fit into this equation, you know, I'm not your guru. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I've never pretended to be the guy with all the answers. And I see myself as the person who knows who has a lot of answers and I like connecting people and I like bringing people together. And I've been taking a lot of tests, a lot of personality tests lately. I know I'm a community builder and I, the, the other thing I've scored recently, uh, as far as my personality type is an influencer. And I really got to be honest, I don't like being, I don't know, identifying as an influencer, but I cannot argue that I am out there. I am influencing, but it's not the, I don't know. It's, um, it's not really the goal. I just want to learn and I, and I want to serve other people, uh, but in doing so, I am influencing. And if I if I am an influencer, if I can't, have, you know, hide from this, the reality of what I am, I want to use my platform to do good. And I think the best way I can do that is just to stay curious and to share my platform with others who have knowledge, who who want to lecture, who want to transform the industry, and to get that information out there to to change perspectives to empower people and like that's what i want to do and i want to do it inside the network i want to bring these people together at restaurant unstoppable network the platform i'm working on um and i want you to be a part of it so we have a lot of cool things going on in the network this week one of the things we do is called pure mentoring where i'm literally connecting you with my guests uh we have Tomorrow, Michael Chernow from the Meatball Shop in Seymour's, uh, and currently his project is Creatures of Habit. He'll be live in the network tomorrow, Friday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern if you want to connect with him and ask questions if you enjoyed his episode. And then we also do a book club. We have a habit club, and we're hosting these workshops where we're going deep into specific topics, and I'm connecting you with my experts who know the best on you're you know, the most well-regarded individual when it comes to that topic. And then we're going to be doing these lectures too. And you can be a part of these lectures. We do Q and a, and you literally connect with these influencers that are out there in the industry. If you want to be a part of that, come join restaurant unstoppable network and support the cause. Thank you in advance. That's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long until next time. Peace out.